Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulted Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulted Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now, we have talked sales, sales leadership for the past year and a half. We are coming up on our 100th episode. So it's a monument and our guests keep getting stronger and better. Now check this out. Our guest started her sales career when she was 10 years old in the streets of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. She is a lifelong hustler who has grown and become one of the most dominant personal development and marketing experts and empowerment coach in the U.S. Her first book, What Dog Am I?, is available now on Kindle and Amazon.com. She has, uh, Richelle Mordecai has spent time as a director of sales training for one of the largest North American teams in a franchise industry. And she has utilized her time in leadership and sales in her research for her book, What Dog Am I?, and we're going to talk a lot about that because if you've ever used an assessment to recruit, to sell, just to run your business, you're going to want to hear what we talk about What Dog Am I?, Rochelle, welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. Thank you very much, Anthony. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. So let's jump right into this. What dog am I? What's the premise for the book? I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I've titling books. I know when we created the, the, uh, the title for Catapulting Commissions, that was like the 20th reiteration of that book title. But titling something, you know, your title is supposed to stand out. It's supposed to draw somebody into you. And so I've looked at various different books. When I see the title, What Dog Am I? I mean, that that just speaks to me. I'm a, I'm a dog lover at heart, so it naturally pulls at my tug. But let's talk about it. What's the premise for the book? Uh, I've been, first of all, yeah, I'm from Brazil, and I'm the oldest of three. And okay. we have three siblings, all born within three years, same set of parents, same life circumstances. And we're all very different. Very, very, very different. So I've always been fascinated by personalities and personality types. My husband went on to get a degree in psychology. I've uh, I've read and uh, have taken in every personality uh, assessment that you can think of. And uh, one of the things that always fascinated me about what makes people different and then going into the book was the idea that I wanted something simple that would help not only me to assess personalities, but something that will nudge my behavior to look at somebody and know who they are. So we fast forward have a, a decade and a half later after you know studying and being immersed into personality assessments. One night I woke up with this thought, middle of the night, swear to you, like one or, one or something in the morning with the thought of those four dogs and the thought was very simple is study those uh, these dogs and you're going to be able to understand people and match that with your research personality so i'm christian you know I, i'm a 
praying girl at heart. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, if this is a message from above tomorrow at 1130, will be better to hear this than right now because I'm really tired. <laughs> Lo and behold, the next day, 1130 in the morning, talking back to me, I looked at my husband. I said, OK, I'm going to give you four dogs and you need to match them with the personalities we've been studying. And by the last one, his jaw just dropped. And he said, where did this come from? You don't even like dogs. I remember him saying that. And I just pointed up and I'm like, he was like, this is game changing. He was like, I know everybody right now. I can, I can look at a person. I can think of a person and know what dog they are. So uh, uh, it started as something so simple that every time that I trained, and you're right, with my years of, uh, uh, of corporate training, I was able to utilize this to, you know, with a huge group of uh, uh, franchisees. And every time people will come into my classroom, they're like, this is so silly. And they will leave like, this is so amazing. I can tell what people are right away. And now I can nudge their behavior and have an intelligent conversation. So it really came from a need to get immersed into something that was simple, yet effective, so that we could communicate with people understand what truly motivated people and nudge that behavior to increase agreement gaining. So that's what the book is all about. It's, it's a fun assessment that will, that, that can be applied to getting your child to, I don't know, do his homework as well as one of my clients that produced $9 million worth of opportunities in one year after taking my training and coaching. I love I love the story on how it started. Simple yet effective is how you described it. And the fact that this assessment can be applied to raising children, to seven, eight figure sales deals. I, I look at it and, and, you know, you're talking to a team of sales professionals right now. And we always join or go to a meeting with how can I nudge a person's behavior? How can I influence somebody to, to this direction? So I feel like if I can pigeonhole or, or categorize somebody on a personality type, I can tailor my message, which I think is such a valuable skill for people to learn. You mentioned there's four dogs. In yes. it. What, are, what are the four dogs and what are those, those personality types? Well, Go high level on it. Yeah, I love it. So we have the same Bernard, right? And we all know the same Bernard. It's the dog Beethoven from the movie, right? That carries brandy mm -hmm. on his neck, not for his own personal party but to give to victims of avalanche. So we have the Tim Bernard, which is calm, tranquil, uh, the caregiver, the rescue dog, right? Motivated by, by a cause. Uh, uh, those are the people that seek balance, benefiting of others and the greater good. Uh, uh, when they come in, they feel like a warm blanket on a cold day, right? They, they, uh, uh, they are, you know, those three things that motivates them, you know, the balance, the benefiting of others and the greater good, it's impact impacts every decision that they have uh, and they make in their lives. So that's, that's the same Bernard. And we know in opposite to that, you know, we know that if we're sitting in a room right now and if my door, your door enter, opens and a St. Bernard comes in, we know the energy that it produces and how it makes it, us feel. In contrast to that, we know that if the door opens and a Doberman enters, we're like, <laughs> crap, what did I do? Where do I hide, right? Uh, and the Doberman is the visionary. The Doberman is the visionary, that one that seeks power, prestige, and profit. It's interesting talking about the Doberman. I'm a Doberman myself. I'm, I'm a Doberman that had to learn how to smile in order to drive collaboration. 
But when we talk about personalities, we talk about the refined version and the unrefined version, which all, we all have. So it's not like one personality is better than the other. It's how can you refine yourself knowing what truly motivates you, right? So we have the Dobermans of the world that, you know, their energy is a bit scary. And uh, when you're trying to sell something to them, you're like, Am I on my top game here? You know, you have to drive the behavior, nudge that, that behavior a bit differently, making it all about them, getting to the point, because that's how Dobermans, uh, that's how they perform, that's how they see the world. What's in it for me? Then we have a contrast, again, going with a Labrador, uh, which we all know from, you know, being the fun-loving dog, the I just met you and I love you kind of thing. Everybody's your friend, you know. Uh, that's my oldest son. That's my youngest brother. And the Labrador is the dreamer. Labradors are motivated by recreation, recognition, and reward. And uh, you give them their fuel. Wow. I have a, I have a saying with one of my uh, business colleagues that I say uh, that since he is a Labrador, we don't create assignments. We make appointments of collaboration because Labradors have a short attention span. So when, when we get together, we can collaborate and create something. But if we say, okay, you're in charge of this and I'm in charge of that and let's meet in one week to see how things are going, it doesn't really go well. So those are the Labradors. And again, contrasting with the Labradors, we have the more serious ones. We have the German Shepherds. And we know German Shepherds as police dogs, the guys on a mission. They need a sense of completion because they're mission-oriented. And German Shepherds seek stability, structure, and systems. That's what they need in order to perform. That's their emotional fuel. So when we look at those four very distinct, distinct and common dogs, we all, you know, we are not talking about a mix of a, you know, a this with a that. We're talking about four breeds that everybody can think of, relate to, think of the energy it produces, and be and and can identify that in themselves and others. Uh, of course, we make it sound it's so easy, but this is part of just this segment alone on personality assessment. It's part of a four-hour training that I give uh, that with the book allows, it helps people to really dive in and focus on the why because most personality types right now and the way people see the world, it's more about behavior. So that's why people say, well, but people change. Well, you might change your behavior. You don't change who you are. You know, I'm Brazilian. That's never going to change, you know. Uh, and uh, and I talk in these terms because what truly drives you and fuels you comes from within, comes from you, who you really are, who you have always been. But recognizing that you can uh, better yourself to be more refined and, you know, go into, you know, a Doberman as an example. We know I, I know that we're going to have a huge number of people in the sales uh, um, in the sales industry that are Dobermans because they are high performance and they want that commission that's going to always get back better and bigger. It's what drive Dobermans. Uh, but one of the things is that a Doberman can be assertive or aggressive. But if he pretends not to be a Doberman says, no, I'm a lab. I just love people. And I love being around people and hanging out. Right. They might miss the mark on the refinement that they have to make. Hmm. So, there's so many layers to peel back here, right? There's the St. Bernard, there's a Doberman, there's a Labrador, there's a German Shepherd. Uh, I, I, can, I can say, just knowing some of my, my audience and listeners, there's definitely some Dobermans here. Um, now, is somebody truly, you know, you, 
as we go through this, I can't help but think, is somebody like pigeonhole? Like if I'm a Doberman, am I always a Doberman? Will, will, will that change based on the environment I'm in? Will that change? Like if I'm a Doberman and I'm surrounded by a group of Dobermans, do I become an alpha Doberman? Or will I say, okay, you know what? There's too much Dobermans here. I need to be like the St. Bernard in this situation. Do people adapt or is this really something like, hey, this is your core uh, personality. This is who you are. Can, can you elaborate yeah, on that a second? Of course. This is your core and this is who you are. You might learn different languages in order to survive, right? I'm Brazilian. My core <laughs> is Portuguese. I've learned English to survive. Now, the fact that I have an American passport does not make me, you know, a natural from America. I still speak with an accent and uh, my motivations and my favorite type of food is rice and beans. I joke about that so much and I use that a correlation because, yes, especially in the sales profession, we learn different languages. We learn to adapt. That's why people say, I'm everything. I'm a chameleon. When I hear that on my training, I, I, I always know I'm like, it's a Doberman in denial. They're trying to be everything. <laughs> and I say that with a lot of respect because number one, we're always a mix of two personalities, right? We're always a mix of two. Our first one is our core, which gives us our fuel. Our secondary personality is what I call the additive, you know, that which given in small quantities can enhance performance. But who you are, you are. You might have to adapt to the situation and speak a different language because that is the language of your prospect. Because that language is what's going to increase, uh, uh, you know, collaboration and, and agreement gaining. But who you are is who you are. You need to feel it. Feel it and use that as, a, as an empowerment tool for yourself. Hmm. So if I'm... If I'm using this, who I am, who I am, right? Like, how does my, let's just say, and I'm assuming I'm a Doberman, but I could be wrong. I don't know the rules yet, but just based on what I've learned thus far, how do I make that assessment on somebody in a, in a relatively quick session, right? So if I'm, I, you know, we, we've been chatting here for a few minutes and we talked a little bit before we went on air and you're like, okay, I got to feel for you. You got to feel for me. A, a lot of this is similar to the sales calls that we make. How do I make that assessment on somebody, you know, instantly? And, and how do I run with it? I mean, is there a set of questions I ask? Is there a research I do in advance? I mean, how do I, how do I categorize somebody to the type of dog they are? Well, the long answer is you take my training and that's how you're going to be a master in this concept. Uh, the short answer is start with what people are not. Start mm. with what people are not. Can you, you know, you're looking at me right now, we are, uh, you're on video. You can look at me by my manner, mannerism, by my tone of voice, by the speed of my voice, uh, uh, by the way I'm dressed. You can tell right away that I'm not a St. Bernard. <laughs> you can tell right away. I'm not calm. I'm not subtle. I don't speak like my mother-in-law who is a sweetheart and a hundred percent St. Bernard. I'm not that, right? Uh, you might not know who I am right away, but you're like, she's certainly not a St. Bernard. You might go also with, uh, she might be Latin, but she ain't, she ain't a Labrador, you know? She's not carefree in the way she talks. She has a purpose, she has a rhythm. She is going for the kill, whatever you wanna call it, right? So by a process of elimination, you know right away who I'm not. And with that process of elimination, which is something that I teach, but it's easy too, because you think about those four dogs, the energy they produce, you match that with a person, you can make that quick assessment. After you have gone through the initial layer, you go into the questions that can help you really 
dive a little deeper and find out, okay, what might this person be? And, and the best way, and this is, these are sales techniques, but the best way to find out who people really are is to find out how they think about, how they talk about their jobs, their family, what they do for fun, right? The three things that, that the three components to finding out what's important to people, you know, how they talk about their family, if they're only talking about the accomplishment of their kids, oops, you know, versus the fun time they had at the lake, you know, if they, the way they talk about their jobs, how it validates or doesn't validate them and the way they talk about fun. I gave a training one time and this woman was like, this guy was like, no, I'm a Labrador because I love to have fun. And I said, fantastic. What is fun like for you? And he starts describing it, you know, like, oh, I love to read uh, autobiographies of uh, scientists and, and, uh, you know, like he, he was so Jimmer Shepherd in how he talked and people are like, dude, if that is fun for you, let me tell you, you are not a Labrador, you're a Jimmer Shepherd through and through. So I, I hope this answer, uh, uh, this, this kind of answers your question, but start with what people are not. No, it completely answers the question. And, and by starting with people are not, you know, catapults and commissions family. I mean, that goes to one of the principles that we've talked in sales training, right? When I'm trying to negotiate a deal, I, I tell anybody who's worked with me, if I'm a, if I'm their coach, if they're on my team, I'm like, you, you're, you're listening to what's not being said, right? It's easy to hear what someone tells you. The, the, the best sales professionals, the best sales are hearing what's not being said. Like what hasn't come up yet? How come this person's avoiding going in this, this direction when, when we're doing negotiation or handling objections? In this same situation, you're saying, okay, well, let's start with what's not. And I love how you pigeonhole it because if I, I look at myself, right? As you're talking to this, I'm like, I look at myself, I look at my wife, I look at my family, job, family, fun. You are absolutely correct. If you have a five minute conversation with me and it's just, talk about those three things, you'll learn so much about me way more than just, you know, not talking about those things. Cause those are three things that I think about as you say that you're passionate about, like it's going to naturally come off job, family, fun. Like you can't fake or lie about that. And if you do, it's really easy to spot. Yep. So, so how, let me, let me, let me gain some understanding here. So what dog am I the assessment now? How is this assessment different? from others because there are some other assessments that sales uh leaders and, and organizations have utilized and i'm not going to name and list all of them catapult commissions family you, you can do the research but there are some out there that have uh, a different direction i've taken training on some of them so what are the main differences between what dog am i and some of these other assessment types out there or the other assessment programs simplicity because the other assessments, it's, it's amazing because I hear that all the time and I myself have experienced that. You go into a big training of the, you know, whatever assessment and you leave thinking, my gosh, that man or that woman is so freaking amazing. Look at all their research and they are fantastic. And then you ask that person, so what am I? Oh, I don't know. But if you take the training and take the test, you will know. It's not simple. I don't, my 12 year old can assess people less than 60 seconds with what dog am I? Because he starts with what people are not. In sales, do we really have the time to send a, I don't know, 100 uh, question survey to a prospect before we can have a conversation with them? We'll be done. We will, <laughs> our job will be an existent. We in the sales uh, uh, industry, which I believe everybody's in sales because my true belief is that 
every conversation you have with somebody with a clear objective and where you want to drive results in sales. But that being said, we don't have that time. We don't have that luxury. We don't. We need to make assessments quickly and follow a process for communicating our message that will nudge behavior in the direction that we want them to go is speaking in the language that will fuel our prospect. Plain and simple, which is what I'm doing right now, knowing that the majority of the people that are listening to this car are Dobermans. Get to the point. Talk about the numbers that this can produce. We don't have the luxury of putting our prospects through a lengthy uh, uh, assessment in order to collaborate with them. So it has to be simple. I love that. The the simple form, you you think about some of these uh, sales industries and I look at, you know, and, and it's not a secret. I have a long background in a medical sales background. I there's a you know, majority of my career has been in that industry. And in that industry, you sometimes only have a minute, a minute and a half to peak enough interest or gain, gauge an assessment on the uh, physician you're speaking to, to know how's this, how's this relationship gonna go? Can I, can I steer the conversation to the right? Can I steer the conversation to the left? And if you blow that one opportunity, it could be a year or two before you get it again. So starting with what people are not and keeping it simple, I mean, it is, I hate saying this, but you know, you, there's the old, the old mantra, keep it simple or keep it simple, stupid. stupid right? yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear it and you're, and, and I, and I'm not going to bash the other assessments because I, I, I know people who teach that, but you are correct. Some of the assessments are great. And I, and I look at it in the aspect of if, if I'm going to evaluate somebody and I have a long-term, like if I'm going to get married again, should I put my future spouse with this long assessment analogy, right? Or, or can I go to my wife right now and say, hey, let's, let's go back. Let's, let's reverse a couple years back, you know, seven or eight years back. Let's take this assessment and learn about each other. I don't know if I would do that, but that's the amount of time it takes versus what dog am I? It is point blank. Hey, what are you not? And let me proceed accordingly. Now, is there some watchouts or mistakes that people make when they do this, right? So if I'm a Doberman and I and I pigeonhole the person I'm speaking to as a German shepherd or, or a lab, is there some mistakes that people make when they make that assessment? Like, I mean, how do you validate that concern? Or is it, and, and I know the answer is going to be join you for the training because I think that's going to be awesome. But no, let's, just, let's just it give won't. a little bit here. It won't. I think that the biggest mistake people make is to see the world through their own personal lenses, right? If you really seek to find St. Bernard's and Labradors do that a lot. They think everybody, you know, my, my Labradors on my training, they say, oh, everybody's, uh, that person's a lab now. And St. Bernard's have so much grace within them that they think that everybody has that good St. Bernard quality in them. Uh, so that's the first mistake. We need to stop seeing people through our own lenses, the lenses of who we are, right? So, uh, uh, we might want to see, uh, we might want to find a common ground, but a common ground comes from having the same uh, objective and wanting to drive the same results, not by thinking that everybody is the same as you. Um, I remember when I first came to this country, uh, before we had Google Translate on our phones, before I even had a phone, that people really wanted to connect with me and they would speak English very slowly. And I would say to them, if I don't know the word, you can spell it out. It would not mean anything to me. Right. Mm. So that's our tendency to think that, you know, people are just like we are. First mistake. Second mistake, I would say, is not asking, not not peeling the layers, not not going deeper. Right. Uh, uh, asking. We, we talk about that in sales all the time is stay away from the yes or no 
questions. That's left for the last part of gaining agreement with others. We want to know the whys. The why people do what they do is what really tells me who they are and what truly motivates them. So instead of the what, going for the why in your interactions, the why, why, but tell me more about that. Huh? Interesting. Why? That helps you to open, uh, get the, the, the guards down because there's one subject that each one of us love to talk about, and that's ourselves. Mm. So when you get the walls down through the why, it's also going to help you to find out who people are. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. I, I love that. Two mistakes, right? One, assuming everyone is like us, assuming everyone has those same, same behaviors, same set of lenses. Two, yeah, we don't peel layers. You're not asking enough questions. And it's almost, it's, and, I, and I hate saying this catapult to commissions family, but it's almost if you're jumping the gun without peeling layers, to me as a consumer, you're not comfortable in your process yet. You're not comfortable with your product. You're not comfortable with the amount of the negotiation. It could be, and, and I know this wholeheartedly fact, I recently had a conversation with someone who was uh, negotiating the largest deal of their career. And I simply said, if you go into this meeting with the thought of I'm negotiating the largest deal in my career, you're going to forget everything you've ever learned about sales and you're not going to start to peel the layers back. You're going to jump the gun and it's going to tell the prospects that you aren't comfortable with this negotiation. So if those are the mistakes that, that you're making in trying to identify what dog am I, I mean, it comes across straight to the person you're working with. Uh, would you agree with that? I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, we seeing people through our own lenses will cloud our thinking, you know, and, uh, I say that because in our family, I, I had an interaction recently here. My mom is a very strong German shepherd. She's an attorney. I'm a Doberman. And I asked her a simple question. Did you do this? And she pulls out, you know, her Bible of notes wanting to tell me the story. And I wanted to, you know, be courteous. And within 60 seconds, because she said to me, you're not paying attention. My brother said, yeah, because she's a Doberman. And she asked you one question. It's a yes or no. Give her the answer first and then ask if she wants to hear the story. Right. Don't talk to her in the language that's important to you. Talk to her in the language that's important to her. I think that that's another mistake. You know, we need to take a step back when we're negotiating and really think of our prospect uh, for who they are and speaking the language that will nudge their performance and not think about that as a, a, a method of manipulation. It's not manipulation. That's honoring people. If I was speaking Portuguese here right now, because it's comfortable for me because it's my first language, I would not be honoring you guys. I would not be honoring the audience because it's all about me. So don't make it about you. Make it about people by finding out who they are uh, uh, to really uh, uh, have a conversation that will fuel them and will open doors for collaboration. Mm, I love it. Off self on purpose, right? Yes. And, and, and and I hear you say that and, and I, I hear the message and that's all I can think of is if you take your business off yourself and you make your business on purpose, on people, 
it comes across natural. It comes across authentic. It comes across effective. So I love that. Uh, speaking of fuel, right? I've heard you mention the word a few times, emotional fuel. What is that? <laughs> Help me understand that. I love that. I was thinking that was my first thought when I woke up this morning. Well, people talk about emotional intelligence a lot, which I find the concept fantastic. But if you don't know what, you know, what your emotions, where your emotions come from and what fuels your emotions, you're in trouble. I think of people as cars, you know, like a car. We are in a society right now that we're like, oh, the eight players, that one has a drive, that one is stuck. But the truth is, uh, you know, a Ford on the right fuel will perform better than a Ferrari on the wrong one. That's the truth. So it's not about the car. It's about the fuel. You give the fuel that's correct for the car and you expect the performance that that car can produce. Uh, so with those concepts, when we talk about emotional fuel, when we take a deep dive into the personality assessment of who each one of the personalities are and we help people feel comfortable with who they are, Catering up to that which fuels them, fuels their emotion, fuels the core of who they are. We talked about the Labrador being a dreamer and being fueled by recreation, recognition, and reward. That's their fuel. So when I talk to a Labrador, that's what I need to give them. Mm. If I give them power, precision, profit, I'm putting a fuel into them that will break them down because that's not what motivates them. Right. Mm. Uh, uh, my Labrador friends are not motivated by money. They're motivated by time, freedom and collaboration. That's emotional fuel. If you don't know what what fuels you and if you don't go after that, at one point or another in your life, you're either going to be a stuck or b given the wrong fuel and break down. And I see that in all my projects from a project that I have with the Brazilian community on health and body transformation to my big corporate clients and, you know, driving performance for themselves and their team. If people are not aware of who they are and what fuel they need to take in, or if they are in denial because, oh, it's so uncomfortable to be that personality. And I don't want to be associated with that personality because my uncle Frank was a terrible person and he was just like that, right? If we neglect that, we are bound to decrease performance and eventually break down because we're not being true to ourselves. Mm. You know, that, that emotional fuel you give, I, I can't help but think as a people manager, right? A manager of people, of, of employees, if you are in that position, Catapult Commission's family, it's almost a benefit for you to truly learn what that fuel is. As you're saying that the fuel will have somebody break down. I look back at, at, at my career and some of the people I've managed and mentored, and I'm like, some relationships went well, some for the life of me, we couldn't connect. And I look at it and I'm like, maybe, you know, I was feeding them the wrong fuel. Maybe they weren't motivated, but what I thought they were, or even better yet, some people may have been like, this is what motivates me because they think that's what I want to hear. So then I respond that way when the truth is that's not really how they're motivated. That's not who they are. And it's just a vicious cycle between uh, employee, employer, uh, sales rep, sales manager, you know, whatever that relationship is. If we can't truly dictate what the fuel is, then you're not going to get the most out of your people, which comes to that point where you find somebody who... Uh, is complacent. And we've talked about this before, Catapults Commission's family. Complacency is a horrible thing in sales. It robs you of profits. It robs you of commissions. But if you don't know the fuel to get that person out of that state of complacency, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, we could push somebody further away, correct? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's another component to this. Sometimes we, uh, uh, we, uh, uh, removed from the equation, not necessarily because we, we think it's wrong, but because we're not aware of this idea of uh, uh, upbringing and raising, you know, like the way people are raised doesn't necessarily mean that that particular behavior that's associated with their background is what fuels them. I was having a conversation with a Doberman friend of mine who is from Brazil, so very much into, you know, parties and social gatherings and behaving like a Labrador, if you will. And as we were going through the layers, I'm like, so why is that important to you? And why, and why, and why? And she gets down to, I wanted to be seen and feel important, right? Dobermans want to feel important. German shepherds want to feel useful. Labradors want to feel included. And St. Bernard's want to feel needed. So you go through those layers of engagement and you're absolutely right. And, and, and one thing that I think that you might have uh, missed on your amazing list of, you know, driving performance is a lot of people don't know who they are, plain and simple. Their behavior and their view of the world might have been uh, 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 really influenced by their upbringing and the society that they belong to. I mean, I was having a conversation with a St. Bernard friend of mine that she said, I think it's just so unfair that in the Christian world or in the world of doing good, they expect women to behave like a St. Bernard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. And if that was my ticket to heaven, whatever people want to call their heaven, I will be doomed. I'm screwed. I'm done because I'm not one of them, right? But can I be a person that does good not being a St. Bernard? And the answer is yes. Well, but I love people. Good job to you. You're a good human being. Your parents raised you right. You have good values. But that does not make that that is your motivation, right? Mm -hmm. So really going back to who you are and, and being fueled by that. Okay, so I'm a German Shepherd. I like to feel useful. Great. You don't, want, you don't like to feel needed. Well, but I want to help people. Yes, help people with your need to feel useful because that's what's going to fuel you or whatever variation of that is for your own particular dog personality. Mm, I think there's so much, so much to peel back there. We're, we're, we're going to come short on time. But as you say that, I, I think about those relationships that you have with people and people being confused as to who they are um, and, and what motivate and what fuels them. So, so I'm going to ask a, a different question, different direction, and it's not completely sales driven, but it is personality driven. I, you know, Catapulted Commissions family, I know a lot of you out there uh, are like me. We're parents. I have kids. How do I, I mean, will my kid evolve on their personality type? Will my kids start as, because I think right now, I think, you know, maybe some of my kids are maybe they're St. Bernard's, right? Because they're really like passive. But as they're starting to hit these teenage years, I mean, oh, oh my goodness, they're like part Doberman. Just, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a growing persona. Can this be applied in the home life, right? How can I uh, use this to, because let's be honest here, raising kids, raising a family, and I'm going to go a little off topic with the cattle, but it's a sales skill, right? We want to influence our kids and want to nudge their behavior to be in the right direction. And I've learned that, uh, you know, if one of my daughters, if I tell her, hey, do this, she's not going to do it. The other one, if I tell her, she'll do it. Likewise, the other one, if I, I you know, let it think it's her idea, oh, it's the greatest idea of life. So can this be applied in that home life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, with the idea of driving performance, nudging behavior, uh, going to what you said, will they change and who they are? 
I have a little niece. She's three years old. And there's no doubt in my mind that she's a Doberman because it's all about her. She's bossy and opinionated. And we already know, right? Uh, her sister, in contrast, is more, you know, fun and loving. So do kids change? Uh, people evolve, but they don't change. So when you use this in order to motivate your kids, you're going to know right away who they are. And I've known that my oldest is a core lab from the time that he was born. And I know that my youngest is a core Doberman and we work with them in that manner. Right. And we uh, using that for a family concept, you guys, letting kids be who they are. Had a conversation with my oldest one time that he said, mom, I'm not you. I'm not a Doberman. I probably won't be the richest person in town and out of my whole friends, but I will have friends and I will have fun. And that's good for me. And I had to go back and say, yes, you're right. I can tell my son to do something. I have to say, let's do it together. And when we do it together, he does it. But if I say, go and do it, it's not what fuels him because he's fueled by feeling included and having that, that, that fun component to his Labrador. So using that with the family will help us all as parents will continue to help us to uh, raise individuals that are okay with being who they are, regardless of who their parents are or the society that they feel like they are pushed into that has a set of rules of, or expectations. Mm, I love it. I love, I love it. Simple. And you said it earlier, it is still simple. And you look at it in the aspect of, of kids raising kids, catapult admissions family. If you are in a position with kids or family, that's the first influential uh, decision that you can influence. You can nudge a behavior there. And if you can nudge a behavior there, you can nudge a behavior with the prospect. If you can nudge a behavior with the prospect, you can nudge a behavior at a bigger deal. It just keeps rolling up, but it starts at the purest, simplest form. And that's what I'm taking from what dog am I, which I, I love. I love how simple it is. I love that there's only four dogs and not 40 because there's a lot of assessments that have 40 different personality types and 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 i've joking when i've taken some of these assessment programs or classes been certified i'm like hey i gotta be honest with you if i'm supposed to learn all 40 of these like this is i may pass a test but six months from now i'm not gonna remember this like in, in the field i'm not gonna remember this when i'm in the middle of my negotiations like i need something that is simple and i love that so richelli thank you for joining the catapulted commissions thank podcast you so much how does my family and my audience, how do they connect with you? How do they learn more about you? Yo, absolutely. So the easiest way to connect with me, that's easy to write down. It's on Instagram. You can find me at Coach Richelli, R-I-C-E-L-L-I. You find me. Uh, my Instagram profile is more into uh, lifestyle collaboration and, and uh, empowerment. If you want to see the serious, most business-like side of me, you can always find me on LinkedIn. That's where... Everything is held with my prof professional life with LinkedIn, uh, Richelli Mordecai, M-O-R-D-E-C-A-I. You'll find me over there. I think Anthony is going to put some links here below as well. And my book, What Dog Am I, is on Amazon. Uh, right now, it's only available on the Kindle version. So if you write, What Dog Am I? Question mark with a space word Kindle. You will find me there. Awesome. Catapulting Mrs. Family, Rochelle is correct. You will see those links in the show notes. You will find her Instagram, find her LinkedIn. You will find the, the book, What Dog Am I, available on Amazon through the Kindle version. Rochelle, we wish you nothing but abundant success. I'm glad you joined us today. I look forward to seeing what dog am I continue to grow. Catapulting Commissions Family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. 
If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.